Welcome to the Sisterhood of Healing podcast, the podcast that wants to help you reach your best and most divine potential. Each week, we dive into topics concerning inner healing, wellness, and spirituality. We discuss strategies and practice from our own personal experiences regarding higher energies, trauma, and connecting to the divine as we take you through our own personal journeys to discover the highest versions of ourselves. In combination with guest speakers, we bring you a comprehensive guide to mental and spiritual wellness and the ability to connect to yourself and the world around you on a deeper level. I'm Nicole. And I'm Christina. And we are two sisters who want to take you along on our spiritual and healing journey. We are each on our own individual healing and spiritual path and bring unique perspectives regarding yoga, chakra healing, meditation, intuition, and trauma healing. Sometimes life is messy, sometimes it's confusing, and sometimes everything falls perfectly into place. Join us as we navigate the path to divine enlightenment together. Hello sisters, brothers, and non-binary listeners to the Sisterhood of Healing podcast. On today's episode, we have Laura Wilford Silverman, who's here to talk about invisible grief. So welcome, Laura. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast for this episode. Thank you for having me. So I feel like you're a special guest because you feel like a friend to me because we know each other through the Beachbody community because we're both Mm -hmm. Beachbody coaches under, ironically, the sisterhood. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I've known you for a bit. But when you uh, shared with your community online that you started Invisible Grief, I was like, oh my God, we have to have you on the podcast. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) So if you could introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Oh, that's a, that's always a tough one for me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I just feel like me. Uh, Let's see. I was a kindergarten teacher. Um, before I had kids, so I'm big into little kids. Um, and then when I had my son, um, because of money and sending two to daycare, it just made more sense for me to stay at home. And so now I'm a stay at home mom. Uh, my daughter is in school, so it's just my son right now. Um, but obviously, like I said, we uh, decided to do Invisible Grief since I had some free time. And so we thought it'd be a good time to start it up. So what's the origin story of Invisible Grief and how did you come up with the idea? All right. So Invisible Grief, I lost our first son. Uh, He was stillborn back in 2014. Um, And of course, that was a big shock when we went into the hospital. He was perfectly normal, healthy. Um, And then within a matter of hours, we didn't have our son and we had to leave the hospital alone. So it's a big shock from going from the ultimate high of having a child to the ultimate low of, of course, not having our child. Um, So when we went through the process, of course, of funeral and his headstone, the phrasing of invisible grief, which is the forever loved, forever missed, forever remembered, um, is the words on his headstone that we had decided on. Um, And then my husband, decided he was going to order some bracelets um, that had those words on it just for him to wear. And he's been wearing them ever since uh, we lost him, which is about eight years ago. Um, And then 
of course you have to order things in bulk. So he had like hundreds of these bracelets. And, but when he came across people, he owns his own business. When he came across people that had lost children or husbands or wives, um, he would hand out these bracelets because we had them. So why not? And these people always told him how much they love the bracelets, um, you know, and thanked him. And that kind of slowly led into the idea of people really like the bracelets. Why don't we try to, you know, put it on t-shirts or put it on mugs and we still have the bracelets um, to try to, you know, sell to people and reach out to, you know, the unfortunate <laughs> community that we are a part of. And so that's where the actual name Invisible Grief came from was, again, when we had lost Ari, my husband took that domain out because um, he was going to blog about his grief. And so that's where invisible grief had come from. Um, I don't believe he ever did that. But anyway, so we had the domain set up for invisible grief. And so we thought, well, obviously we can just use it um, in this instance, because it's, you know, obviously dealing with Ari and our loss. And so that's where the title of invisible grief came from. Wow. I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. I, I can't imagine having... Um, having to go through that. Um, I know, I feel so bad, like honestly, <laughs> talking about this with you because you're about ready to have a child and it's so exciting and, um, but, you know, it was well, that, Yeah, no, it definitely is reality. And I feel like I can empathize with you because as a soon-to-be mother or mother now, um, mm -hmm. it's something I think about every day, right? Right. Um, yeah, the, the worst case scenario. So yeah, I, I completely have empathy for you and I can't imagine having to go through that. I appreciate the condolences. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and I appreciate you having, um, you know, being comfortable to share that with us as well. Cause I, like Nicole said, I, I cannot even begin to imagine like what that's like. So thank you for feeling safe to, to share that in this space. Yes. Um, and, and also, I mean, I know Nicole's about to be a mom and, and you said, you know, I'm sorry to, to share this at this time, but I think there's still all important things. And just because something's difficult or, or a little scary doesn't mean we shouldn't talk about it. Like it's, it's really important for everyone like to receive like what you're sharing and, you know, for you to share as well. So yeah, no, we appreciate it. Well, I said, I appreciate you guys allowing me to speak and like I said I know that even in the eight years from our loss and our grief talking about grief and loss and you know around infants or just not around infants but has really come a long way which is a great thing to see that people are talking about it so you know you can form that community of people who you know understand you know everyone's situation is different but you still have that community um, that understands and again people can learn how to be more empathetic because mm -hmm. that's one of the things later I will talk about. <laughs> yeah, having, having that core community is so important because like anybody can can offer like their support, their condolences, you know, their love, but not everybody necessarily understands exactly like what your experience is. Yeah. So that community is so important to find your community, to, to find your people. Yeah. So important. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So what were, um, what were some of the coping strategies that you 
took on and practiced as you went through your grieving process? Like, are you able to take us through some of that? Um, sure. And the first thought I had when I read that question was, there are none. <laughs> um, I wouldn't, I guess, define them as coping strategies because, again, it's such a shock to the system, especially if it's a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not expected death, right? Um, but I would definitely say, you know, advice I could give as far as coping would be, like, essentially do what feels right to you, right? If you want to talk about the person you lost or how you lost them, talk about it. If you don't want to, don't talk about it, right? Um, so kind of just essentially do what's going to make you happy that day or that moment. And then, you know, I know the big, you know, time will heal and, you know, all that. And I won't say it heals. I will say time, you know, makes it, uh, I don't know what the word, easier, um, not as in your face. But essentially, you know, in the beginning, when I was going through the initial bit of grief, it was just, you know, again, one foot in front of the other, one moment with, you know, again, today it will make me happy to just watch a movie in bed. Okay, so that's what I did. So and then obviously, as time goes on and life continues, right, you get back into, you know, I eventually had to go back to work. Um, my husband had to go back to work. So of course, just everyday life essentially is a blessing in that you have to do it. So you kind of have to get back into, you know, every day and, and doing things. But like I said, the overall coping, I just, I just don't think there is any coping. It's something you're just not ever uh, programmed to deal with, I don't think. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's completely understandable. I feel like we all grieve in different ways. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I said, I mean, there's right. People and it sounds like you were, you were honoring like what your, like, your soul needed at that time. If you just, you know, if you watched a movie, like you said, if you watched a movie that day and that's what you're doing and that's what you're celebrating. And, and I imagine going to work was a big step, like getting back into quote unquote reality and, and all of that, but yeah, you know, taking the time and that space and honoring what you need. And, and like you said, like everyone's different. So you just really need to listen to to your, your body, your mind, your, your soul, like what you need. Yeah. yeah. And at the time, you know, even looking back, it seems, uh, it's almost like watching a movie about yourself. Um, and at the time, obviously I wasn't thinking like, this is what I'm going to do to make myself feel better. <laughs> but, you know, again, everyone kind of struggles through it, but just like I said, looking back, it's, you know, um, I think it's really the only thing you can do. It becomes like a very small, your world almost kind of shrinks to being just you. I guess it's kind of like more like survival at that time. So when you look back, um, so it, it's been eight years, as you said, when you look back now, is there, a, is there like a definitive moment where you felt like you crossed from one point in your healing journey to another like perhaps back into from that like small world back into uh, I don't want to say normalcy because I don't right. want to downplay what happened but is is do you feel like there was like a noticeable line where that happened where you realized oh okay like I've come to a good point in my healing and I'm a little more um I don't know what the word is to use but but just a different point like did you find that um 
I would say I didn't find like a line, you know, where I could say this moment, um, I went through lots of therapy. <laughs> um, and uh, my first therapist, she had actually lost a child to SIDS. Mm -hmm. um, and so having a therapist who essentially went through the same thing was very helpful for me, right? Because um, again, I didn't feel alone. Um, and the fact that my therapist had been through the same thing, um, I guess, had this bond, right? And then um, from there, I ended up going to a second therapist who did the rapid eye, oh, what's it called? Um, yeah, like, is that the, it's not REM therapy, is it? No, I always wondering what I call it too. They have it as EMDR. So like eye movement, desensitization. Yeah. Right, I've heard, <laughs> yeah, I've heard of that. But I went, I went to her um, and again, you think it, when people talk about it, it sounds really kind of crazy, um, but it actually really helped because the point of it and the way she explained it to me was um, you kind of, you go back into that point where your grief you felt is the strongest and you talk about it and you just do it over and over and over. So again, it's supposed to create this movie-like feeling where again, now I look back at that time in my life and I almost think like, oh, again, that's someone else's life. I was just watching it. Of course, that's not the case, but that's kind of the, um, the point of that therapy is so that when talk about it and you're in that moment the feelings are different I don't know how to explain them right they're not so intense that you're in it you realize you know I guess it happened to you um but mm -hmm. that bit of therapy definitely um changed a lot for me um also of course during this time I had got pregnant with my daughter Haley so of course then having a child, right, is of course going to heal, you know, that longing to be a mom when I didn't have a child to be a mom to. Um, and of course, as you have kids, and then I had my son, right, life just gets busier. <laughs> and, uh, but like I said, I think the, the rapid eye movement therapy for me really, you know, I kind of see that as, you know, if you want to call it a line, but I see that as what really helped, you know, me be able to talk about it and, um, and deal with it more oddly saying, but kind of, you know, at a, at a distance, I guess. Is it almost, it, it almost sounds like it helps you to like, and I could be wrong on this, but it helps you to compartmentalize your emotions. Is that kind of what it's doing? Where it's like having you look at it, like you said, like a movie, is that? Uh, maybe yeah, I could kind of see, I could kind of see that again, obviously I, I went through it, but I don't want to obviously speak as a doctor because I definitely don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it definitely seemed like said where I think that was kind of it, where again, it, it just seems um, like I said, like it's just a, at an arm's reach instead of, you know, you're right there kind of um, dealing with it. So like I said, obviously I've only had this therapy in this instance. So I always find psychology interesting as well. I think that's one of maybe the things that helped me. I love psychology. I love the way people think and their minds work. And so I would go to therapy every day if I could, because <laughs> I just find it so interesting. Um, 
so I think maybe I was more accepting to, you know, whatever you want to try, I'm game for it. Um, but yeah, I think it definitely, like I said, I, I could see where it compartmentalizes, right? Like that grief where I can kind of, I guess, separate the two, right? From your daily life. I feel like your willingness to seek out therapy and mm -hmm. to reflect is what helped you. Yeah. So yeah, many no, definitely. To going yeah. to therapy and talking about things and having to relive them. Right. And that was one of the things I had put to like for advice was like, again, figure out what works for you. And if you can't figure out what works for you, like have the open mind to go get help. Mm -hmm. right? Go seek someone. Um, I didn't go, it took me about six months, I think, to go see a therapist after losing Ari. And um, my husband recalls <laughs> that he was the one that was like, I think you need to go get outside help. Um, I've always been a very anxious person. Um, and so I told him even in the very beginning when we got married, like, if you ever think my anxiety is to a point where, you know, I need intervention, let me know. Of course, losing our son, like put it into overdrive as far as my anxiety. And, um, but again, it was, it's nice to have someone who would speak up in that instance, right? Like he saw that I was struggling and I needed that help. And he was of course, okay to be like, this is what I think you need. And of course, you know, me trusting him enough to be like, okay, like, let's go give it a shot. And like I said, when I was looking around for therapists, it was just, you know, very lucky that I happened to find someone and she was in this area that not only specialized in grief, but then had also lost um, a child as well. She had actually, she was lived up in New York when 9-11 happened. And so she worked with a lot of the, you know, family or the survivors of 9-11, of course, and all that grief. So like, she's a, I, I can't, you know, speak well enough of her. Um, but like I said, so I think I'm very lucky that I found her. Um, and I guess that'd be another piece of advice too. I know that again, people don't want to go to therapy for lots of reasons, but if you go to a therapist and you don't click with them, then it's just like any doctor, like go find, you know, find someone else. Like again, make yourself the priority that like you're important enough to, you have to go through five different therapists and go through five different therapists. Right. Cause obviously in my instance, and in a lot of people's instances, grief is going to completely change your life. And so, you know, if you need to talk to someone about it, you know, you owe yourself that. And so, like I said, I know that Again, through the years, I know that mental health, again, has come a long way, which is fantastic that people are talking about it and talking about getting help and not being, you know, it's not so taboo and, you know, a bad thing. Um, and so, like I said, if I could give advice, it would be, again, if you are struggling with it to, again, find a therapist or, again, like we've talked about community, find a community of people who you know, can understand you in some way. Cause that's one thing, of course, that I felt right away was very alone, right? I felt like this doesn't happen to anybody. It's just me. And of course that's not the case, right? Um, and so it just takes a while to kind of, you know, find those people um, that understand, which is, is one of the things actually it's really great about invisible grief because we have the social media now 
you know, I come across a lot of other families who have lost children. Um, and so it's nice to kind of, you know, again, have that community. Right when I had lost Ari, I was all involved in that, you know, in the uh, like Facebook groups and things like that. Um, and then there was a point in my healing that it became too much for me to see essentially all the sad, horrible things that happen. Um, and so I kind of had to step away from it for a while. I mean, it was years, um, but now I'm back at the point where, you know, I can kind of be more involved um, with my grief and, you know, trying to help other people with theirs. I'm curious, did your healing journey look different than your husband's healing journey? Or were you guys kind of like running like parallel alongside each other with it? Um, no, I would say our journeys did not run at all <laughs> the same. Um, because I feel right when it happened, my husband immediately went into like protector mode of me. Um, and so he, again, like he was the one that, uh, you know, planned the funeral and did everything for that. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't do anything. Um, and, but that, again, that continued on for months as far as like, you know, he was there to help me with what I needed. And so I feel he definitely like took his grief and put it, you know, again, like on the back burner. And he was more focused on me. So I feel like as the months went on and even the years went on and I was getting better, for lack of a better word, <laughs> um, then he kind of started, I think, dealing more with the grief and the impact it had on him. Um, and again, it wasn't probably until a little while after what happened happened that it dawned on me that again, my experience was completely, completely, but it was different than my husband's experience, right? Um, in some of the events that happened, like when Ari was born, he did not, he didn't cry, right? He never breathed. Um, and so of course I had a C-section, it was an emergency C-section, but of course I was kind of drugged up, right? Um, and then when it first happened, I remember being like, why isn't he crying? Why isn't he crying? And the next thing I know I was asleep. And so my husband actually told them to go ahead and knock me out, right? Because he knew I would kind of essentially freak out, um, but I was still open on the operating table. Um, but while I was out for about an hour, they were trying to revive my son. I never saw it, but he was there and he had to watch it all. Um, and again, I felt essentially bad because I wasn't there for him, right? I was literally knocked out and he had to go through all that alone. So again, he had different parts of the grief that I didn't have. You know, I essentially missed a chunk of it um, because of the medical things surrounding it. Um, you know, he's the one that had to call our parents and tell them what had happened. Um, and again, even coming out of the surgery, of course, since they did put me under, you know, a lot of those, events I don't really remember right it's very spotty because I had so much drug in me um but again like he didn't right he was fully aware of everything that was happening at the time um so again just as I was going through my grief and my grief wasn't as strong you know again mine kind of subsided but then you know 
he could, I feel, then focus on himself. Like he eventually then went to therapy. Um, but I mean, I want to say it was a year or two after I did. So, um, but like that was one, one thing I feel like things would not be the way they are today is if it wasn't for my husband, because he, again, when it happened, he just immediately went into, you know, protector mode and protecting me. And um, so again, I know he put his feelings aside and that saddens me, but, um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I think a lot of parents deal with the like, one has to put out this fire and then the other one has to put out this fire, you know, or again, just married couples, right? You can't essentially both be going through something at the same time. The one has to kind of be the stronger one for a while, you know, and it's a balance and it goes back and forth. But like I said, without my husband, I don't, you know, really know where I'd be. So <laughs> oh, it sounds like he was your rock through this and like, absolutely your biggest yeah. comfort. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, aside from him, uh, what have you found to be your biggest or your next biggest source of comfort or encouragement through the healing process? Yeah, that's so true. I, I can completely understand that. Like having gone through grief, like it's really hard at the beginning and then you just kind of got to pull up your boots and continue with life. Right. And it, yeah does make right. things feel a little easier eventually right it's like it's it's sad to think life goes on but then at the same time it's nice that life goes on right yeah um, it's a reality yeah. yeah there's some sort of comfort in that even sometimes when you just want it to slow down because you want to stay almost stuck in that moment and and mm-hmm. right, like it, it, there is some comfort in knowing that things will kind of even out and I guess this is where time heals all wounds comes from mm-hmm. But as we established in the beginning, it doesn't necessarily heal, just kind of. Yes. Yeah. I like to say, it says that, you know, right. You don't like get over grief. You learn to live yeah. with, like you learn, you know, you learn to live with a lot of things. Um, but it definitely, time definitely makes it better. <laughs> so. so it sounds like you had a really good community. Like you said, your friends, your family, your husband was your absolute rock. Um within this community or even outside of this community what was the most helpful thing someone said to you um I think I wouldn't say it's something someone said to me I'm actually gonna do the opposite a lot of people said the complete wrong things um and I think that's again why talking about grief and what people go through is so important so um people stop saying the wrong thing (laughs) sounds kind of horrible (laughs) I don't want (laughs) to rude and I know people come from a great place but when people say well at least this it's like that's the, no one wants to hear that right um yeah. or to like if people try to put yourself put themselves in your shoes again you're like well you didn't go through it right you don't know um so I wouldn't say it's something someone said again I think it was just being there like physically being there um you know having people just one thing that was um, great and meaningful for us is one of my husband's friends showed up at the hospital, um, actually held Ari, um, and we have a picture of them together, but like he didn't ask, right? He just showed up. He was like, what hospital are you at? And I'm going to be there. And like, you know, those are the things you look back now or like the funeral. When we had a funeral, I had friends who, you know, came from a few states away 
um, to support me. And they didn't even like come say hi to me at the funeral because of course I was going through a lot, but I saw them, right? I knew they were there. So again, kind of like that silent support was really like powerful to me. Um, so I, you know, like I said, I don't think it was something someone said, like I said, people, and I know a lot of people, people say the wrong thing, right? Um, but I think that's also something that I've <laughs> learned is that uh, take people for like what their intention is, right? They're not saying it to be mean or insensitive, right? Um, so it is, I get it. And you can have those feelings. And if you need to kind of push them to a side for a little while, that's fine. But then realize again, like, of course you're going through it, but they're going through it, you know, in a sense as well of how to, you know, talk to you about it. Um, and like, even now, uh, like when the holidays come around, I have a good friend of mine who always includes Ari in our Christmas card, right? Oh. Writes his name, um, which is wonderful for me. Um, again, like any child, right? You want to talk about your children. So just because my child passed away doesn't mean I don't want to talk about him. Um, so of course, in the very beginning, like the day after it happened, you probably didn't want to <laughs> bring it up. But now, you know, again, I think, and it's, and that's what I'm saying. It's, of course, people don't know where you are in your healing journey, I guess, is where, you know, I'm getting at. And so I think the best thing people can do is physically be there to support you and ask you, ask you what you need, right? Um, and just think before you say things. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's a big one. <laughs> yeah. I think, like you said, two people sometimes have all the best intentions, but they just don't have the perspective. Mm -hmm. the, I, I do hate that line you had mentioned. Um, at least, da, 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 right? At, at least, least you can have more kids. It's like, you know, um, never minimizes what you are feeling at the time. Like it dismisses your feelings at the time. Like it's right. just hate that. <laughs> yeah, and that's one thing again that going through this grief kind of again. I would before I had gone through grief, I might've said some things like that as well, right? Because until you're, you don't think about it, it's like a different perspective, right? And so it has taught me that again, when people, like I have married friends that don't have kids, right? I don't ask, when are you gonna have kids? Like people think that's a harmless question, but again, you don't know, right? A lot of people have fertility issues or they can't have kids, but I don't wanna have kids. It's none of your business. And so even simple questions like that, mm -hmm. you know, grief has taught me that like, you really need to essentially think about, you know, are you asking them something for them? Or are you asking something for yourself? So, or saying something to make yourself feel better, you know, it's yeah. not a lot. Well, and again, not that anyone did things maliciously, you know, said things, but it's just opened up my eyes to really, you know, thinking and putting yourself in their shoes before you, you know comment on even the smallest things, you know, because you might think it's insignificant, but to them it's, you know. Yeah, just like asking being something. really intentional with kind of what you say and like your motive, not your motives, I don't know if that's too uh, <laughs> malicious to say, but you're, yeah, like, like you said, are you saying it for you or are you saying it for them? Are you asking right. for you for them? Yeah. But I feel like people just say these kinds of things or ask these questions just to fill space. Like Christina, you and I get that all the time. I get it Especially all the time. you, like, oh, are, are you dating? Like, they don't know how to relate to you, so they just ask, right? 
quote unquote like inappropriate questions. Right. And so I feel like it's you say it makes it makes them feel better, right? By filling in this void of silence. But of course, you know, for whatever reason, if you, you know, you're not dating because you have had bad experience or whatever, like it brings all that to you, but they have no idea, you know? So like again, I think it's just like I said, it's and I think that's part of getting older as well. But you know, you start to realize the impact that you you know say to people has on them you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so what surprised you the most about grief um everything (laughs) (laughs) um I don't know I think the I guess the fact that you don't get over it because again everything you know in life essentially is you know this happens to you and you get over it and of course grief's not that way um because obviously that person's never coming back. Um, and so that's something, you know, that you essentially have to, I don't know, make peace with, I guess, just live with. Um, so it's a very, you know, again, it's not like uh, Ari passed away and it was like, okay, for a year, I know I'm going to feel bad. And then, you know, I'm going to be great again. Um, so I think just the... Uh, I mean, it sounds really crazy, but like the totality of life in itself of, you know, just having feelings and emotions that you're always going to deal with. Um, but now I can't remember your original question. <laughs> what, what surprised you the most about grief? Okay. Okay. I think that too. And I think again, because I'm so, uh, I love people and how they think like that to me really, again, the things people would say that it was just like, I couldn't believe someone just said that, um, that, that really surprised me. Um, cause I think until you're in that vulnerable place, when people saying things like that to you, you know, don't necessarily affect you as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think again, just kind of like my overall outlook, I think really changed. Um, and that was, I guess, surprising to me obviously because I hadn't changed yet (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's it's almost as if um and not to downplay the situation but in in any at any level of experience or grief or or whatever it is almost as if ignorance is bliss right like oh absolutely yeah yeah like you you don't know until you know unfortunately in some situations Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that's one of the things, again, if people would say the wrong thing, you know, it's like, um, I guess a coping mechanism for me against that would be like, oh, well, they're lucky that they don't like understand how hurtful that is. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because they haven't right had something tragic happen to them. Um, which again, honestly, everyone has different stuff. But like I said, I think that's one thing it's made me very aware um, is that everyone has their own stuff. You know, so you really need to, you know, to me, be careful in what you say to people. (laughs) (laughs) That I I don't feel these days people do, especially with social media. (laughs) No, it's so true. Everyone's entitled to their opinion, right? Yes. (laughs) They're entitled to it, but that doesn't mean I want to hear it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it's so true. So what advice would you give? I mean, you said you didn't, there wasn't like one thing that people said to you, but if you could give someone else advice 
who's going through a similar situation, what would that advice be? Um, essentially to not listen to anybody else <laughs> and to listen to yourself, right? Again, go back to like the, what makes you feel good in that moment, in that day? Obviously, life goes on, you have responsibilities. So, you know, you have to, you know, continue living life. Um, but again, if you want to talk about it, talk about it. If you don't, don't. Um, you know, if it's too painful for you to, you know, be close to a certain friend at the time, like that's okay. Right. Um, you know, again, to really essentially be selfish would be my, um, bit of advice. Yeah. At the same time, being selfish, you need that community. So don't like shut everybody out. Right. Like I said, I had my husband who was very supportive, um, both of our parents live in the Charleston area. So like we have family around us. Um, so I guess, like I said, be selfish, but yet I think you need to realize like you do need support and community from someone. If it's one person, if it's two people, um, don't block everybody out. <laughs> I, I feel like it could be so easy to block people out when you're going through a loss or whatever yep. you're grieving through, but um, I think like seeking out help from our community is probably the most important thing we can do. Just like uh, telling people what we need. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause sometimes people don't really know what you need or they don't know how to approach it or. Right. Right. So like, yeah, like you had said before, mm -hmm. I think like communicating with what you need or is so important or on the other side, asking what that person needs. Too. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, we need to not be afraid of of those who are grieving. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, I definitely felt like I was a leper, right? That like no one would like, don't talk to her because then something horrible is going to happen to me. Um, yeah. So crazy, but it. like that's how you feel at the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so true. It's so true. <laughs> so what are some of the greatest lessons that you've learned throughout this journey? Um, I would say maybe not going through it, but looking back, most people are good people, right? Like people want to help you. They want to support you. They might say the wrong thing. Um, but again, they're saying something to try to help. Um, so I think it, again, really opened up to my eyes to how many good people there are, right? And again, not just your family and friends, but, you know, people in your community or again, a random stranger I met online who had a similar experience, like you know, that took the time out of her day to talk to me when I needed it, right? Um, so I think that's the biggest thing is just like, again, the people who really stepped up and who essentially are good people, um, like they really came through, you know, and I think it makes, made me value my good friendships a whole lot more or my good relationships a whole lot more, um, you know, than in the end, you know what I mean? Like, like I said, I have some friends who are really good friends and it's like um, hanging out with friends who essentially know my past um, is like this comfort versus, of course, I've made new friends along the way. Um, and of course, you know, like being on a date, I'm not gonna be like, hello, I'm your new friend. And I, you know, I lost my son when he was born. Um, and so then it's kind of like, they don't know this big chunk of you. Um, but I have found, again, a lot of my friends now are moms, 
right? Because I have young kids. Um, so it does kind of eventually come up in conversation. But having those friends who were there for that and went through it with you, you know, again, it really, um, I think human connection, essentially. Uh, it's just a great thing, I guess. I don't know. Like, I feel like that's my biggest, you know, takeaway is how much, um, how important relationships are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're, we're not meant to go through these things alone. Right. I was just about to say that <laughs> as much as we think, <laughs> as much as we think we're all these like warriors and we're strong and we don't need anybody and we can do it and it's fine. Like I'll deal with it on my own. You can't, like you need, you need to reach out to someone at some time. Like you need that community. Yep. Um, you need to find the right therapist that is going to support you. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's so important. So what is one piece of advice you would leave for our listeners? If you only leave them one thing, what would that piece of advice be? <laughs> All right, so first, my first bit of advice for people who aren't the ones grieving, right? But they're friends, watch what you say. <laughs> Think about what you're going to say. That's my biggest advice to them. People who are going through grief is that, again, it will get better. It will, right? Time will help it. Again, your friends, your community, getting back into life, it will help it, right? Again, your grief's never going to be gone, but it will be less consuming to you. So again, just do what you need to in that day to get through it and, you know, move on to the next. Mm, such good advice. Yeah, it is. It is. So if our listeners want to connect with you, where are they able to connect with you? All right. So lots of different ways. <laughs> I, um, I am on social media, on Facebook and Instagram under Laura Wilford Silverman. Um, and then our site, Invisible Grief, um, it has Facebook and Instagram as well. Um, and so you can find us on there. And we also, invisiblegrief.com is our website again that sells the apparel um of grief of again it has the forever log forever miss forever forever remembered it's hard to say that all at once um <laughs> that uh, again you know we do shirts and bracelets and the one thing that is great about our company let me just say right now is that you can personalize it right um like my shirt which i know y'all you can see but they can't oh, see yeah. it has ari's name in it um and so you can on our website you can actually personalize your shirt to like have their name um which we found really special because again we we like talking about Ari and we like having the outside world know he exists right that's another thing people I think they always mm -hmm. want their loved one to not be forgotten um and so we feel like invisible grief is a good way for their loved one to be shown to the world mm -hmm. um but, and we also, we did, we came up with a promo code. So if anyone wants to go to invisiblegrief.com um, after listening to this podcast to help support us um, or anyone that's grieving or yourself, um, if you type in the code sisterhood, we will give you 20% off your order. Um, oh, awesome. And then we also wanted to throw out real quick that 10% uh, of Invisible Grief's, I don't even know the word revenue, um, goes to um, a nonprofit we have, which is the Ari Foss Foundation, oh, um, which is, of course, named after our son. And it, we actually just started talking to MUSC um, about working with them, and we're going to be um, 
helping people pay for funerals for their children. Um, and so 10% of the proceeds from Invisible Grief go towards the Ari Foss Foundation. Um, and that's something else. You th throw that out real quick. Ari Foss Foundation is on social media as well. So if you want to donate um, to Ari Foss Foundation, um, that is available as well. <laughs> oh, that is so sweet. I love what you're doing. Yeah, we just, we're super excited about the whole Ari Foss Foundation thing because it just, we just met with, um, MUSC has a palliative, is that how you say it? Palliative care team? Palliative. Yeah. Palliative. yeah, which I didn't even know what that word was. And I was like, what? <laughs> um, and again, this didn't exist when we had lost Ari. Um, it wasn't at MUSC that we lost Ari, let me say that. Um, but now MUSC in those years, again, because people talk more about grief than they used to, right? Now there's actually a team that it's at MUSC. I'm sure other hospitals have it as well, but like they actually, again, form that community for that person that has mm -hmm. lost a loved one. And it, this one's for children, but you know, they help them with expenses and where to plan the funeral and all that. And I just think it's so wonderful that now organizations have that piece that mm -hmm. when we went through it there, you know, it was kind of like, just thrown out there. Luckily, my husband stepped up and did everything. But now there's actually teams in place at hospitals that will help. Um, so it's great for us to be able to, again, people who right now, if their child is stillborn, um, MUSC can come to us and say, you know, we have this family that's in need, we think you can help them. And then the RFL Foundation will be able to help them pay for some of the funeral, if not all of it. So, because we definitely that's want in our journey, we have talked to some people who lost children probably back in like the 80s. Um, and again, it was very taboo back then. And um, they were very poor and they, her life was in danger, the mother's. Um, and so they asked the husband, like, what do you want us to do with the baby? And he was like, well, we don't have money for a funeral. And so they don't their baby never got buried right they just had to leave him at the hospital and we don't you know having somewhere to go grieve and honor Ari is so important we didn't want any other family to go through that and so again hearing stories of people who have gone through that that's where the RFL Foundation came from is again we want to give people somewhere to grieve their child so sorry tangent <laughs> oh no, no that's okay, okay. you have us in tears here <laughs> no oh well, we are going to link all of that in our show notes so that listeners can get a hold of you um, on whatever platform they need to. Yeah. And it's, it's so fantastic that you've taken such a, a difficult experience and made so many beautiful things out of it for other people like to support them. And, and you've given other people, you know, the community that you had and, and, and absolutely. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. And it's had. just, so, it's so touching. It's so, yeah. it's, it's beautiful. Like there was, um, you know, a lot of beauty that came out of this very difficult situation. Yeah. So there's a lot of good people again, that do a lot of great things. And so now, yeah. you know, being more on the backside of our, you know, grief, it's nice to be able to yeah, you know, pay, it, pay forward. it forward and turn around and help them. So yeah. it's like you say, you definitely need, you know, you definitely need community and people to help. So it's nice yeah. to be able to give back. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for sharing your yeah. story and your vulnerability with us. Absolutely. You guys made it great. I was so nervous to talk, but you guys made it so like seamlessly to just have a conversation. 
So I appreciate that. <laughs> no, oh, thank we're you. so happy that you. you felt comfortable with us. So yeah, that's amazing. That's it for our show today. Thanks for joining. Remember, you can always reach out to us on our socials, on Instagram at sisterhood underscore of underscore healing, or on TikTok at sisterhood of healing. We love to hear from you. So please reach out to us at any time. Thank you for journeying with us today. We'll see you next time.